Welcome to the broadcast. Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this start grow. Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the outdoor living hour. Your Arizona Saturday morning tradition since 1988. It is the third Saturday of the month. doesn't feel like it. It's only the 15th. It feels like we should be later into October, but we're <laughs> halfway through the month, and we have Jay Harper in studio. Good morning, sir. And good morning. I know what the plants must be feeling because I know what I was feeling. I got in my truck. The air conditioning was on because it was on from driving home the night before. But it was 67 degrees this morning. The air conditioning went off and the windows came down. Yeah, well, as uh, as I like to say, middle of October, happy spring. Happy spring. <laughs> um, here in the desert. Six months of spring. Here in the desert, this is spring. Just like people in upper regions of our country where it gets cold and they have a terribly long, hard winter and we have a terribly long, hot summer, feels like. The change is more like spring than it is fall, I, th- I think. I like to equate it that way. It's our really coming out party, so to speak, in the gardening world, uh, much like spring is the coming out party in other parts of the world. It's time to, you know, there's just not much you can't do. You're putting in winter lawns. We're planting. I know you're going to talk later about winter or cool season, I'd like to call them, uh, flowers. Um, and uh, greatest time in the world to plant trees right now. Um, and so, yeah, you get a big jump start on spring if you do it now when, in what I really call spring. <laughs> now, if you are following along in our home maintenance calendar, you do see we'll talk cool season flowers, and we will. Um, we've got a, a guest joining us from the nursery here in the second half of this hour talking about uh, the flowers that are yeah. there and different planting. But what, I mean, what, what are your... Th- off the top of your head when it's fall and you're planting flowers what what well, one one like? one thing geraniums geraniums <laughs> it's just you know uh to me it signifies the change of season the the wonderful time of year uh they're a fabulous long lasting they go clear into the summer almost to the fourth of july looking good um so they just mean to me they just mean summer's over and it's time to enjoy so, and they come in a wide variety of colors. Um, so I, I, they're just hard to beat. So to me, it's, it's geran- there's just no other. It's geraniums. And there used to be a, a flower I would buy from you that came in a round ball that you'd put in the freezer, and then at the end of it, you'd stick it in the, pottings, the potted soil. Oh, ba- bulbs. Yeah, yeah, you know, we have kind of um, overlooked. You know, they're just not near as popular in this part of the world as they once were or as they are in other places. And you're, you're talking about probably tulips and hyacinths, which are the two that you have to chill uh, here in, in the desert because we don't, we don't get enough chill to make them bloom. In other parts of the country, they just plant them in the fall and the snow falls on the ground and it gets plenty cold and, and they come up in the spring and bloom. But uh, bulbs are a great, uh, I, I love them because they're a surprise. You know, it's like, oh, I forgot that was there. They come back. The ones that naturalize anyway. Tulips and hyacinths, not so much here because, again, we don't get the chill. But th- all of the different daffodils and narcissus are really fun 
uh, to stick a few around. And you don't have to have big beds of bulbs. You can put little pockets of bulbs in and around your, uh, your, your bedding plants and in your pots and different things. Uh, the, the Dutch iris and the bearded iris, the rhizome iris, rhizome iris do extremely well here. Um, Dutch iris will come back and naturalize. There's just, there are lots of fun uh, colors and different things that you can plant in the form of bulbs. Uh, amaryllis, which everybody thinks about at Christmas time, the great big, you know, trumpet shaped reds and whites uh, flowers, they do actually very well here as almost a landscape plant after they have established and they multiply and spread out. They don't bloom. Uh, at Christmas time, because they're not forced, but uh, they'll bloom in the spring, uh, and, and they're great um, to put in in mass planting. So that's that's. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because they are one of my favorites as well. I used to have a couple. I think they were tulips, but they were bulbs and whiskey barrels off the back of my patio in my old house, and it was you know just extremely. They they were fun and unique, but when we moved, I never I never got back into. Uh huh. Yeah. That, that and the, the nice thing is they're pretty reasonably priced. You can buy a you know a you know a bag of them or a big bunch of them for you know a few dollars and and uh, they'll last for years. And with these colors in the flowers, I mean, are we going to bring in hummingbirds and butterflies? And do they bring in you know attract the pollinators? Some do certainly. Um, you know, depending on what you plant, but uh, you know, almost all flowers will bring. You know, some type of butterfly or or uh, critter. Geraniums are kind of notorious for bringing in caterpillars and <laughs> and uh, chewy things early in the season. That you know, that's the problem with attracting some butterflies and and some of those uh, pollinators you is you, you get the pre butterfly. Yeah, exactly, or the post butterfly, depending on chicken or the egg deal. But uh, got to kind of watch for those. But uh, anything that has kind of a trumpety shaped flower will certainly attract. Hummingbirds, especially. Uh, I have noticed right now a lot of uh, the big black and yellow swallowtail butterflies in the backyard around the citrus, uh, especially. So there's there's uh, lots of those. But pollinators, uh, I would tend to say that most of the things we plant for winter color, bedding color, probably aren't really great pollinators. They certainly can help. But things, uh, if you're talking about pollinators, now we're talking about you know, uh, well, citrus is a great pollinator. Jasmines are a great pollinator. Any of the uh, milkweeds and and uh, native type flowering things. Herbs, if you will let your herbs go to flower. Mints and uh, basil's and salvia, sages. Uh, those are great pollinating uh, flowers. Uh, there's just a lot of fragrance to them. Uh, I think that attracts the the hummingbirds or the the butterflies, hummingbirds as well, to those. Well, I have seen a lot of overseeding going on this week, just driving around. Anyone putting in their winter lawn has seems to be on it right now. Well, 15th of October was always the the day. And as so you mentioned, you, you mentioned mid-60s-ish at your house. That's kind of what we shoot for, those warmish, not quite hot, but warm days, 90, the 90-60 weather. And so those 90-somethings highs and 60-somethings lows are ideal. The Bermuda grass slows way, way down, and the, it's still nice and warm to germinate that ryegrass seed. So this is the perfect. The next week or two should be absolutely perfect 
for planting winter uh, winter ryegrass lawns. You'll notice a lot of lawns getting scalped right now. I'm sneezing. <laughs> <laughs> little little pollen in the air. A lot of dust. A lot of dust in the air from that from that scalping going on. Now, once we scalp it, I've only once had a successful rye seed germination where I didn't put some kind of topsoil on it. And I tried it a couple times after that, and I ended up going to get more seed and then topsoil. So it always costed me more later to do it. I, so I just I gave up. I, every time I overseed, I, I put some kind of topsoil on top. Well, it's an insurance package. So the, the key to germinating ryegrass seed, or any seed for that matter, is consistent moisture. And depending on how your sprinkler system or irrigation system can deliver water, you you may be better off with a cover. You're always better off with covering. I mean, there's no doubt it will improve your germination speed and percentage if you have some type of covering that keeps the birds from getting more than their share. Uh, it actually, that black material warms, is warmer, and it holds moisture. So the, the people that kind of shy away from probably covering are the ones that have huge lawns, and it can be a bit of an expense. Golf courses don't typically cover with anything other than maybe a bare spot here and there. Um, but they also have the ability to run their water almost constantly. They just start cycling, and when it gets done, they start again. And, you know, the, the key is consistent moisture, during the, especially during the hot. So I always uh, kind of concentrate my run times on my irrigation controller right in the middle of the day. And the other thing is you don't want it coming on too late in the afternoon or evening because that cools the soil down. If you have, a, let's say, a cycle that goes on at maybe 4.30 or 5 o'clock and then it gets dark at 6, um, you know, that, that wet, cool soil can lower the soil temperature too much. So, man, I wouldn't start until before, before 9 o'clock at least, 9, 9.30. And if you can run, you know, four or five start times, pack them in from you know, 9 to 2, 9 to 3. 3 is usually the hottest part of the day or the warmest part of the day. So, you know, and you want you don't want to run it so long that you puddle water. So the first couple of times you might need to do it manually and time it and know that, okay, it starts puddling at 7 minutes. So, okay, well, we're going to run it for 6 minutes, and we're going to do it as many times as that controller will let you do it. I would do it that many times. And then just do the math and, you know, kind of spread them out evenly between them. Then sometimes once soil gets really saturated, it might start puddling again. You may have to cut it down to five minutes or so on and so forth. But, boy, right now I would guess that seed is going to germinate in five, six, seven days pretty easily with 90-degree temperatures. And once you get a good green grass carpet, we like to call it, mm-hmm. coming up through the soil, you can cut way back on the watering. It is not a big... But it's not a, a nearly as demanding once it's germinated than a, a good. Oh no, we're talking. Grass. We're doing this till it's till it's popped. Till you have a new stand of grass, and then you start gradually cutting back. And once you've mowed it the first time, then you're then you're really down to, you know, once a day, and then the second mowing, you're down to your normal, you know, every other day, every two or three days, once a day watering. All right, we're in the nursery. We got Jay Harper in studio. If you'd like to join the conversation, one triple eight. 767-4348. That's one triple eight 
Rosie for you. Text questions can be sent to 411-923, or you can send an email for plant or insect identification to info at rosieonthehouse.com. You know, we always joke that a lot of the best content is talked about during the break. We were talking about just the 67 degrees here in the desert floor. What I call the desert floor, like everything basically from Black Canyon City to maybe not quite to, to Tucson, but not much south. Vail, you start getting a little higher yeah. in the mountains, yeah. maybe Casa Grande. Yeah. But you have done a little bit of traveling throughout the state. It's a beautiful time to go anywhere right now. It really is. I, I just got back from a really long road trip came back through northeast Arizona, Monument Valley, and it, there's green grass and weeds and grass, and, and the range is green in places like Monument Valley and paint, the Painted Desert. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything grow in there, <laughs> and it's green. Uh, unbelievable. Fall on the peaks, uh, Flagstaff, the aspens have started to turn, and so we're starting to see some fall color. I haven't been. Uh, Gary was asking me about Sea Canyon. I haven't been, but my guess is the little Arizona maples have probably started to turn up in uh, places like Sea Canyon, Christopher Creek, Tonneau Creek, up against the base of the rim. Uh, Oak Creek Canyon's usually a pretty good drive. And then, of course, the White Mountains would probably be the earliest. I would guess it's pretty full swing, the Aspens and stuff, over around eight or 9,000 feet. I know Flagstaff and Humphreys Peak, it's, you know, the similar elevations, but the White Mountains are just a much bigger mass, and they seem to get yeah. get and stay colder longer just because there's well, and it's further a lot east, so I, I think there's something to that. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, if, once you have your winter lawn in, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, really it kind of gives you a break because, you know, there's no mowing, there's no, you know, you, usually it's, kind of wet around you're not going to be out doing so you have this period of a couple of weeks that you get a break from gardening after the winter lawn is in go take a road trip uh, fall in arizona is you know and, and we haven't talked about southeast arizona where they're harvesting grapes and the grapevines start turning that's kind of a cool look the grapevines start turning color uh and uh the, you know this is the only time i could ever justify owning a convertible Put the top down. Oh, you really you, could. You yeah. take off out of Phoenix. You go out to Wickenburg, then go back up 89, the back way into Prescott. Come around. If you really want to get adventurous, stay on that and come into Jerome through the windy back. Keep going through Camp Verde. Come up General Cook Trail. Get on top of come in on Strawberry. Cut across. Get out to the White Mountains. Come down 191. Drop Well, you're, ta- you're, you're talking a... Uh, Maybe not even a. Have to this be a isn't trip. a one day. No, yeah, that's this, a couple days. This is a whole trip. weekend. Yeah. And then once you're on 191, stay all the way down, come through the southern Arizona wine country, Cochise County, and then, you know. That'd that, be a wonderful three day weekend trip right there, what the, you're talking about. The you tricky bet. part is coming back. Do you go to that Tucson to Phoenix stretch? It kind of like ruins the whole trip. <laughs> well, come back come back on the old highway through Florence. And, there you go. Uh, you know, that, that uh, Oracle and uh, Florence. And, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great trip. I like it. Let's do it. Bring your camera. There's going to be a lot of places you'll be able to take pictures of uh, all kinds of different things that some of them you can bring back here to your landscape and garden. Obviously, you get up in elevation, you're out of it. But, right. uh, you know, all through the desert area, there's... If it's growing Tucson north, you could probably grow it in your yard. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, that's, that's a wonderful time. I'm going to make a note of that. 
<laughs> actually uh, came back through Moab. I had never actually been all the way to Moab or through Moab. Boy, that's a hustling, bustling place these days. Really? It? Yeah, boy, Jeep tours and uh, all that, uh, river rafting and uh, the, the uh, uh, foliage along the Colorado River and, and through there, the San Juan and different, uh, those riparian areas were just starting to turn some color. So, yeah, it, it's uh, and a great contrast with the red rocks and the fall color. Oh, man, that's fabulous. So that's another, that would be another uh, fun trip if somebody wanted to make a swing up through, you know, Page and up through there or go on over to Blanding and Moab and come around. Fantastic. The Southwest is a pretty special place. Um, and this is the premier time of the year to enjoy it. It really is because it's not too cold in those higher elevations yet. You're not going to probably get caught in a snowstorm and, and it's, you know, cool enough. You can leave the windows down or put the top down and really enjoy it and if you really want to get adventurous and get up in those pine country just pick a spot safe on the side of the road drive down a dirt road a mile or two just get out put out an easy chair and listen you might hear some elk bugling you'll hear right. all kinds of of nightlife that we get to experience uh, here in the desert and you'd see some stars too well i know that was kind of a little detour out of the garden but it's all about so you outdoor put in, living in so the you landscape. put in your winter lawn okay and then you take a little road trip the next weekend or two, and then you come back and you're ready to plant those winter flowers. There you go. <laughs> you can turn the water down on the yard. You're starting to mow the lawn. Then it's the flower beds around the lawn are not too wet, and you can start to get those ready. And we didn't even talk about vegetables, and we're right in the throes of uh, cool season vegetable planting. Uh, so don't forget to get those beds prepped if you haven't done it. You've got plenty of time. This is a nice long season. Get your organic matter, your mulch, your organic fertilizers, get those worked in and start planting those things. Also, it's all the things that we eat the leaf of, the root of, or maybe a modified flower or stem. Um, that's the easiest way to remember to me to remember what our cool season vegetables are. So carrots, potatoes, radishes. Um... Yeah, beets, turnips, lettuces, chards, um, kale if you really think you have to. <laughs> uh, onions <laughs> broccoli brussels sprouts all that stuff jay harper thanks for spending saturday morning we've got a guest from the nursery joining us this next segment stay tuned In addition to being a nice 67 degrees this morning, I also got a few raindrops on my windshield on the way in. Looking west out of the studio, those clouds are getting darker and darker. And my alert from uh, Arizona Weather Force says there could be even tornadoes to watch out in the California, Arizona areas across the Central Valley. So in for some rains today, hopefully, which is one of the things that I, I... I don't understand why they switched the monsoon season, you know, because this falls out of monsoon according to their calendar date. But if we went back to following it based on dew point temperature and humidity, this would probably still fall within that. So it kind of like, has a mind of its own. You, I like to call it monsoon overtime. You, you have That's to like, when, when you're saying, well, this is, we, we're under 
performance of our monsoon season. Well, you can only appear, compare that to the last two or three years since they went to a calendar date versus a, a moisture in the air date. So anyway, yada, yada, yada. With It's still beautiful outside, and there's still time to go get your gardening supplies. You know, this time of year, I just get so tired of vincas in my pots. I have six pots in the back and several at the front of the house. And when the seasons change, I start stalking the nurseries. And this week, I stopped by Treeland Nursery to see what they had because all the colors are out. And um, I had a chance to visit with Shane Cook, the manager down there, and he gave me a lesson on potting plants and planting flowers in the ground. I've been doing the same pots for 35 years, and I learned some things. So Shane's going to join us this morning to, to share all that good information. Good morning, Shane. Good morning. You guys busy and open this morning? Uh, yeah, we're a little busy this morning. Good. Treeland Nurseries on South Country Club Drive. And it is a, it's just a time people come skipping in, right? The, the colors are beautiful. you got all the flowers laid out. Um, oh, yeah. The air is cool, yeah, and people can't wait. out there. Oh, gosh. Just standing, standing in the middle of your um, flowers is kind of like being in a little party. <laughs> so, so I wanted to thank you for taking your time out. So one of the things, you're one welcome. The, sure, sure. One of the things we um, talked about was timing yesterday, yes. and um, you you mentioned that if you want flowers, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Now is the time. The nights have cooled off. Uh, the daytimes are nice, and the flowers are there and available. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Time to get them in. Well, you so you told me that, you know, if you wait and decide maybe November you want to plant, it may be too late. And that's uh, all. It may be a little late, yes. Uh, a little harder to find that time of year. Uh, things start disappearing, uh, not as, quite as available as they are right now. So you may not get exactly what you want later on in the season. Or right now, uh, everything is available and things look great. That and that's based on the growers. You know, they they're yes. they're going to be yes. on to other things. They're getting ready for Christmas now. <laughs> they're getting ready for Christmas flowers and stuff. Absolutely. And describe some of these things. I mean, I know Jay's really liked his geraniums, but what else is available for color for fall flowering for you know this this area of the Southwest? You know, geraniums are always a fantastic plant. They they do really well here, and um, they look great. They're one of my favorites, actually. But, I mean, there's there's a suite of lissoms. They, they come in a white, a lavender, and a mix of colors. There's lobelia, which is another low grower that's got a bluish color, a, a lavender color. Um, that's a real deep, deep purplish blue. Um, then you got your petunias, uh, a wide variety of colors in petunias. you got mixed colors, whites, lavenders, violets reds, pinks, several shades of pinks, actually. And we have stocks, which are an old-fashioned favorite. You know, they get a little bit of height to them and are real fragrant. Um, and then snapdragons, of course, too. Snapdragons are another favorite. Yeah, we, boy, we talked about so many things. Let's, let's start by talking about looking at the area you're going to plant. And let's, yeah. let's say we're going to put them in the ground. What are some things to think about as far as location and sun? You know, most of the most of the flowering plants, the flowering uh, annuals, are going to require a good four to five hours of direct sunlight to to flower real nicely. Um, and uh, you know, figure your square footage of your bed, and we can kind of go from there as far how many you need. But you're going to be like four plants per square foot, 
you know, to make a bed nice and full. And but you can't just stick them in the ground. We have that awful clay soil. You got that awful clay soil that you need to amend. Yes, uh, we've got our treeland compost is a really good amendment for it, and you would just amend that into your soil. At one bag, you'll get uh, I think one bag you'll do like 50 to 75 square foot on a bag, and you'll just till that into the top six inches of the soil, six to eight inches. Just <laughs> if it's your first yeah, time, you, if your first time amending that area, it's going to be a little tough, right? It's going to be a little tough. Yes. Get a workout for the morning. <laughs> <laughs> So you got your area, and you've you've amended the soil, and you're going to do four plants per square foot. So when you come in the nursery, you should have a good idea, you know, is what side of the house am I planting on? How much shade does it get? Maybe kind of keep an eye on that spot before you go. Yeah. And and watch yes. how much sun is going to hit there. We even talked about um, if you're in a, even if you have a courtyard, you can still plant and get some flowers in there. What was that specific one you showed that? Uh, yes, the there's um, cyclamen is a really good flower for partial shade or, or shade. Uh, there's coleus, there's begonias, impatience. Those will all do really well in partial shade. Coleus is kind of really a neat plant, unique. It's uh, more leaf color than anything, but it does really well in partial shade. Okay, I like that one. And then, um, so let's talk about the soil you would need for your pots then. That's a little bit more of a challenge, but it's, uh, there's a specific way to do that. Yeah, soil for pots, you want to get a good potting mix. Um, you know, we've got that, uh, one of the ones I personally like is a square foot garden soil. It works really well in pots also. And um, always put gravel or something in the very bottom of the pot so that that way the water doesn't get pulled back up into the pot as the soil dries out of your saucer. Because your soil will act like a sponge when it starts to dry out and it'll pull that water back up into it. And you want those pots to dry out between waterings. Everything likes to dry between waterings. And so, um, and then another trick is, you know, that that um, really good potting soil. And you, you actually said you like the raised bed uh, soil, yes. too. And I had never yes, even noticed that on like. the package. But you like that a lot. And so, yeah, I like that a lot for pots. It's got a lot of nutrients in it. Well, and then the, it can be a little expensive, especially if you have a great big pot. It can be expensive, and when you have a big pot like that, you, uh, I would get the topsoil, which is a little bit less expensive, to put in the bottom of the pot. And then, you know, get most of the bottom of the pot with a, just a topsoil, and then put the good soil up on top of the pot so you've got a good uh, 8 or 10 inches of good soil for those flowers to grow in and root into. And then if I've already got that pot and I need to replace the, the um, flowers, do I need to redo the whole pot? Oh, no, not necessarily. Sometimes you can just replenish the soil. You can take out some of the top of the soil and put in fresh soil and kind of mix it in and get, get some good soil back into it. You don't have to replace all the soil in the pot, no. Well, I wish I'd asked you that <clears throat> about 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, I thought it was interesting, too, uh, you had some great tips for making a pot look interesting as far as the different um, types of flowers and heights Kind of talk us through what it makes takes to make an interesting-looking, beautiful array of flowers. You know, it's textures. You get different leaf textures, different different growth habits, growth patterns in different plants. So you, you put something taller in the middle, like, say, for instance, a Dracaena spike looks really good in the center of a pot, and then you plant around the Dracaena spike. And you can put plants in it that will trail right next to the edge of the pot that will kind of trail down the side of the pot almost to the ground, say, like the Lobularias, for instance. And then you can you can put coleus in pots and ferns in pots and just kind of mix up the textures and get a really good-looking pot that way. 
So there was some that you could plant towards the edge, and they would droop down, and then the tall yeah. one would be in the middle, and then it just keeps your eye So you have different, kind of different heights and textures and yeah, kind of some depth to it. Now, we yes. looked at petunias, and mm-hmm. I didn't realize there was trailing petunias. And as a, as like a homeowner and I walk in, am I going to be able to tell the different kinds? They all look kind of the same in those little four-inch pots. Yeah, the trailing petunias are, uh, you know, they've got labels on them that, that will tell you what type of petunia they are. But mostly the trailing petunias come in just the four-inch pots, the premium pots. They are a little more expensive than, say, most petunias. Um, and, yeah, they don't do them at all in six-packs. So I always have them in the four-inch pots, the four-inch premium pots. And, you know, they say, like, um, some will say super petunias, and you'll see some that will say shockwave petunias or wave petunias, things like that. Those are going to be trading petunias. Then you've got your your um, super cows, they call them, which is a petunia and a calabrocoa cross that are really good trailing plants that look very similar to petunias but bloom a lot more profusely. And they are vivid. That very purple vivid color colors. was incredible, yes. incredible. And as far as how many you put in a pot, I generally cram them in as tight as they'll go. How about you? Yes, I I generally put them in side by side because those plants are still going to root down and out, and they're going to do fine with that. And I've done that for years that way, and it makes that pot look really good when it's full. Okay, so let's talk about um, after you've got your flowers in the ground and you've got them in the pots, um, caring for them, you know, the water and the and the fertilization, which I apparently am pretty bad at. Well, with the watering, for instance, you know, once you put them, when you first put them in, you got to kind of keep them moist till they get rooted. So the first week or so, you kind of keep them moist, watch them, get them rooted. And once they're rooted and growing, say they're in the ground, uh, once they're rooted and growing, you don't have to water real frequently. You, a lot of people overwater their flower beds here and wind up with problems. Um, they need to dry out in between watering. So have say you- a flower bed, for instance, once everything's rooted into it after the first few weeks, you can water it twice a week. Um, have you ever tried or experimented with those balls, uh, glass balls, you fill it up with water and it's got a spout and you turn it upside down and stick it in and it's supposed to just slowly release moisture into the soil? I personally have never used them, but I do know people that do use them. With, with good they, success? they do have pretty good success with them. Some of them are so beautiful, I've been tempted to try them, but I didn't want to spend the money unless I knew they worked. I do know most people just enjoy, you know, caring for them and Mm -hmm. watering. But if you're going to be traveling or gone for a couple of days or, you know, four or five days and not have to worry about relying on someone else to come take care of it, Mm -hmm. seems like a a decent self-watering solution. Yeah, it would be. And like I said, I do know people that use them. uh, And a lot of people even put their pots on irrigation lines. They have a separate valve that uh, runs the irrigation system to just their pots so they can water their pots daily or every other day, whatever they need to do that time of year. Shane, we talk a lot about vegetable gardening, and we have a lot of listeners that are vegetable gardeners. And they, yeah. a lot of them have got their winter vegetables now planted, and that's going to be kind of a low environment uh, growth, you know, the, the, the leafy lettuces and stuff. What are three flowers with a little height and a lot of color we could just sprinkle through our vegetable garden for some color? Marigolds are are really a good one for that. Um, You know, they do kind of ward off insects, and they will get a little bit of height to them. You could could put pansies or violas in in with your flower garden, and that will bring some pollinators into it. Um, 
the sweet alyssums are really good. They'll bring pollinators into your garden also. And you know, we there's one plant um, you showed me. It looks kind of like a almost looks like a vegetable, but it's a flower with the purple in the middle. That little kale plant we looked at. Oh yeah, yeah, the ornamental kales. Yeah. yeah, they you mentioned they draw aphids. Would the marigolds help with that at all, or can you can you plant uh, things well, combine things? That help? You can combine things, yes. The marigolds, marigolds kind of ward off uh, white flies and, and aphids and things like that. The uh, the kales and cabbages, they, they seem to, they get attracted to that particular plant. They get right down in the heart of that plant. And you really got to watch them for that because they, they can potentially kill that plant. So if you see them in there, they you kind of have to spray them. And then we skipped past the uh, fertilization. I wanted to share and that'll be a great topic for okay. segment number four. We can okay. do a lot here at Rosie on the House, but we can't stop the clock. Hang on, Shane. They're putting us to sleep here. <laughs> It's autumn leaves falling, folks. Oh. Oh. I, I, Sometimes we need help, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to connect the dots oh, those for are my us. eyelids falling. <laughs> well, I that's see that. The, that's what the coffee's for outside. Oh, God, yeah. God. All right, we were just getting ready to jump into fertilizing with Shane Cook, the manager at Treeland Nursery in Mesa. You can easily find them if you drive along Country Club and just look for the big palm trees that are grown as a, uh, what is it, like a uh, – the W. W. Yes. You know, and I was trying to remember what the W stood for while I was talking. It's uh, for it's uh the last name of the, the owner. Yeah, Keith and uh, Keith and Don uh, Waltemeyer. Waltemeyer. Thank you. I, I, I was I was like Werther's original was stuck in my head for some reason. Waltemeyer. Yes. <laughs> if you're planning a new flower bed and you haven't started, after this weekend rain would be the perfect time to till that for that uh, compost and stuff down into that six inches oh, that, it, that Shane was yes, telling us about. Yeah, yes, so. it sure would. So, hey, would you explain about the fertilizing? Fertilizing, um, yes. I like to use, um, myself, uh, a water-soluble fertilizer. The uh, It's called uh, All Seasons Plant Food 2020, and it has micronutrients in it, and that's something in, you know, in pots you could do every three to four weeks, um, and in your flower beds in the ground, again, once a month would be really good. You can do it a couple different ways. It can go into a, a, a garden feeder that hooks to your hose, like a, and then spray it out and soak the soil, and you could also put it into a watering can and water it in with your watering can. It's uh, completely water-soluble, so it dilutes right into water. Cool. Once you mix it into water, it just dissipates. Sounds easy peasy. Just got to remember. That's probably the hardest part. Just hook it to paying yeah, bills or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, flowers are heavy feeders, so that, that oh. keeps them in bloom nicely okay. most of the year. Uh, talk a little bit about um, temperature as it relates to the blooms. I know in, in planting, so you have you have a window for planting, and then let's talk about that first. Okay, uh, your window for planting is you know October is by far the best time to to put any plants in the ground. Uh, once the nights start cooling down a lot, you can still plant, but the flowers will be a little more tender to, you know, really cold nights. And if you have flowers that are in the ground already and you start getting into frost nights, 
covering the flowers up certainly helps them. But when we get really cold, a lot of the things like the petunias and stuff will kind of go into a, a spell where they don't bloom for a little while. And then they'll start blooming again as we start to warm up a little bit during the days. Okay. And you can plant too soon, right? It has to be a certain, has to get down to a certain, don't plant them oh, in the 90s, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. The nighttime temperatures for planting fall flowers, definitely. Uh, when, you know, late September, early October, when the nights drop down into the 70s, it's a really good time to start planting. When you have the, you know, get later part of September, sometimes those nights are still up there and the humidity is up there. The days are warm, nights are warm, the humidity is high. The, those flowers don't do as well with that. So you got to wait, you know, get into those nighttime temperatures being in the 70s, and it's perfect timing. Perfect. Well, I think anybody who's interested in planting cool-weather flowers sure has some good information to work with. I did learn something else, though. I love chrysanthemums. I buy them almost every year, and this year I just decided I'm not very good at it. They don't last but like a month. <laughs> so, tell, But I learned Shane made me feel better. Because why, Shane? Chrysanthemums here are, they, they have a very short bloom period, and it's hard to get them to rebloom once they're done. They will stay around and rebloom in the spring, but it, it can be very difficult to get them rebloom. They, you know, when those flowers are finished on chrysanthemums, they all go brown, and they, they, the plant holds on to the flower heads. They have to be removed. So you have to cut the plant back, start fertilizing the plant, to try and get it to rebloom, but it's, they just don't rebloom really well here. In other words, spring. you have to really want them. <laughs> you have or to just... really want them. To, <laughs> yes, they really put a lot of effort into keep them, keep them nice. Or just be willing to enjoy them for the month because they are, they are yes. beautiful. I mean, they're great for the month of October because they're colors. And, you know, the, the flowers, when the flowers come out on, they do last for quite a period of time. But, once, like I said, once they go brown, they're, they're tough to get them to rebloom. Well, thank you for all your good information. And we've mentioned it a few times. I mean, if you've already got plans for this weekend, it's still, and if you could, but you have plans to plant later this fall, get your supplies now, get your uh, rice seed now, get your flowers right now, get your fertilizer right now, because it, like you had mentioned, everything that's coming in next will all be Christmas and, uh, you know, the next season stuff. So once what's in supply is out, they're out. Right. Once those growers are running out of flowers, they're, you know, and that's usually by by Thanksgiving, they're done with their flowers and they've got poinsettias in their greenhouses uh, ready to be shipped out because that's what everybody's going to be wanting is poinsettias for Christmas. Um, but yeah, they're, uh, once they get into, once we get into Thanksgiving, everything's pretty much done with flowers for a while. So get out and plant. So yes, get out and plant. Shane Cook of Treeland Nurseries. 2900 South Country Clump Drive in Mesa. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. You're welcome.